Verses 25 to 35. 25 to 35. Luke chapter 2. The title of the message this morning is Simeon's Proclamation. Simeon's Proclamation. Have you ever heard somebody say, I've got good news. <laughs> oh, y'all already know what's coming. <laughs> y'all already know what's coming. <laughs> exactly. I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which one do you want first? How many go with the good news first? You know? Who goes with the bad news first? Bad news? That's good because when you, when you get to bad news first, there ain't nowhere else to go but up. So you get the good news first, then the only place you can go is down. So I like getting the bad news first. Uh, but yeah, we've heard a lot of people say that before. Uh, I've got good news and bad news. Well, we're going to look at this morning about Simeon's proclamation. In other words, some things that he had to say about the Lord Jesus. And he had several things to say about the Lord Jesus. We're going to look at three of them this morning. Uh, but, he had some, but in his news, he had some good news and he had some bad news. He had some good things he needed to say. And he also had some bad things uh, about the Lord Jesus being born and coming to this world that he needed to say as well. Um, and so we're going to take a look at some of those things. If, we, if anybody here this morning, even if we had, uh, let's say we had a child who uh, uh, had done something and maybe they had gotten into something and we as a parent and maybe somebody come up to you and they said, you know, I know something uh, about you know, your son or your daughter that you might want to know about. Could be life changing for them, or I, I know. You probably want to hear it. You probably want to know if it was something that was really bad, or, or even if it was really good, that they thought that you might really need to know. And they said, "Look, I got some information about this, uh, and you might need to know about it." You'd probably want to hear it. Well, that's kind of what Simeon had. He had some good news, and he had some bad news, and there were some things that he wanted to tell Mary. He said, "Look, I got some stuff that you would probably want to hear about." Uh, and so we're going to take a look at some of that this morning. I want to show you three truths this morning. That we're going to see out of Simeon's proclamation. Out of Simeon's proclamation. First thing we're going to see is he says, uh, Thy salvation. That's the first thing that we're going to take a look at. The first thing that Simeon talked about was salvation. And he said, Thy salvation, as a matter of fact, but that's the first thing was salvation. The second thing we're going to see that Simeon talked about was he said that Jesus was the light. First he said Jesus was salvation, then he said Jesus was the light. And then the third thing they want to see is he said, Jesus is a sign. He is salvation, he is light, and he is the sign. And those are three things that Simeon uh, proclaimed to Mary, three things that he wanted her to know about. Uh, why are these things important? Why is it important that we know these three things that he talked about? Why is it important that we, that we know the three things, uh, at least three proclamations that Simeon made? Because these three proclamations, these three, these three things that he said, these three truths that he said uh, are, could be life-changing for somebody here this morning. It could be. Uh, it could be life change for somebody that's on their way to hell. They could be on their and they uh, could be on their way to heaven this morning if they choose to accept Christ. But these three things he showed her uh, was good for them, just like they're good today. And so let's read in our text, Luke chapter two, verses twenty-five to thirty-five. Luke chapter two, verse twenty-five to thirty-five. And this is after the Lord Jesus was born, and uh, they was on their way. Uh, up to the temple for Jesus to be circumcised and that had to take place in Jewish custom eight days after the child was born. They had to go have that done and so that gives you about the time frame that we're at. 
In verse 25 it says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set or destined for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Our text tells us here in verse 25 that Simeon was a just and devout man. He was a just and devout man. The Bible says that he shows us that he walked with God closely. That he was a man that walked with the Lord. Simeon was a man that he didn't just know of God, but he knew God. He didn't just know of God and know that there was a God, but he knew God personally. He knew, he knew God in his life. And how awesome that is, not to just know of God. There's lots of people that just know of God, but there's not a whole lot of people that really know God on a personal level, on a more intimate level. But Simeon was a man that was devout and he walked close with God and he knew God in his life. This tells me that, that he was a sanctified man. He was a sanctified man. He was a, a man that was set apart for God's will and for, and for His purpose. He was a man that, that served in the temple and devoted his life to the Lord's service. And that tells me he was a servant man. He was a servant man. He was a, a man that wanted to serve God with all that he had. Simeon was also, the Bible says, waiting for the consolation of Israel. You say, what in the world is that? That means he was waiting for the time that when the Savior of the world would come and rule and reign in Jerusalem. The that's what the consolation of Israel was. He was waiting for the millennial kingdom. He was looking for the Savior. He was looking for the Savior to come. And so the Bible says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for Jesus to come. Looking for the one who would rule and reign in the city of Jerusalem. And that tells me he was a searching man. So he was a sanctified man. He was a serving man. And he was a, a searching man. He was searching and looking and waiting uh, for the one they said would come. And it would do us all well this morning, uh, just as a side note, to, to learn some lessons from this man, Simeon, and be a, a more sanctified people, be a more servant people, and be a more searching people looking for His coming. The last part of verse 25 says, And the Holy Ghost was upon Him. Ain't that what the verse says? Last part of verse 25, it says, The Holy Ghost was upon Him. I'm just trying to show you what kind of man He was. Simeon was a good godly man. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit was upon him. That means that the Holy Spirit had free, free reign and free control in his life. And is that something that could be said about you this morning? Is that something that can be said about me this morning? Does the Holy Spirit have free reign 
and free control in your life. In your life. The Bible tells us in verse 26, that it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Before he had seen the Lord's Christ. See, some people want to... See, some people, they, they want God to speak to the hearts and reveal His will to them. They want to know what it is that God wants Him to... What it is that God wants Him to do, but they never hear, they never hear His voice and they never find His will. They never hear His voice and they never find His will because the Holy Spirit doesn't have free reign and control over them. But Simeon was a man who could be led and could be guided by the Holy Spirit. And so if we're to be led and we're to be guided, you know what that means we have to do? That means we have to let go. That means we have to let go of ourselves. That means we have to let go of the steering wheel. That means we have to let Him have free reign. Let Him have free control. Because what does the Bible end up telling us? It says in verse 26, it was revealed unto Him by the Holy Ghost. You know what that tells me? That a man who is a sanctified man, a man who is a servant man, a man who is a, a searching man, is a man that God can speak to. Is a man that God can speak to. The Bible says that he uh, revealed that he was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he wouldn't see death before he had saw the Lord's Christ. So God could speak to him because he was a devoted man to the Lord. God could work with him because he was a man that had surrendered his life to the Lord. He was a man that, that gave the Holy Spirit control of his life. That could be led by him. Because what does the Bible say in verse 27? And he came by the Spirit into the temple. So he was a man that was led. The Spirit there is what? It's capitalized. That means it's talking about the Holy Spirit. So he was a man who was led. And so if we want to find out God's will, and this is just a side note, if we want to know God's will, we want to do God's will, and, and practice His will, then we've got to be a people that will be a, a sanctified people. We've got to be a people that will be a, a serving people, and a searching people, and a surrendering people, and a sacrificial people. Those are the kind of people that we've got to be. If we want God to have free role, free reign in controlling our lives, then, we, then, then it is He can reveal His will to us. Then it is that He can lead us and guide us where it is that we want to go. And so just something to throw you just to throw out there for those people who that want to know God's will and searching for God's will. But this is the kind of man that he was. This is the kind of man that he was. And I believe that if a man came to me and he had some things that he really wanted to tell me, some things that was very important, some proclamations that he needed to make, some things that he wanted me to hear, I sure would like to hear these things from a, from a man like that. I want to hear from a man like that, from a man that I know that I could trust, from a man that, that, that I know that I could believe. And so what we see here is, it's like the Lord is just telling us what kind of man that this man was before he went to go tell Mary the things that he had to say. But he was a good man, a good godly man. A good godly man. And we see here in verse 27, the Bible says that he came by the Spirit into the temple. So the Spirit led him there after... And Jesus was circumcised in verse 28. The Bible says that Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God. Took him up in his arms. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? After the procedure had taken place and after everything was done, the Bible says that he had taken baby Jesus into his arms. Can you imagine, just for a moment, holding God in your arms? Holding God in your arms. And I imagine he probably done just like many of us would probably do if we had a baby in our arms. What do we do? <laughs> I imagine he probably was looking at him. And as he held 
Jesus in his arms. I imagine he was looking into his eyes. I imagine he probably rubbed his cheeks with his fingers, patted him on the nose, stuck his finger inside the palm of his hand. And as he stood there and looked at Jesus, it was revealed. Why, why did the Spirit lead him into the temple? Because what did the Bible say? That he wouldn't see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ? And so the Spirit leads him into the temple and he says, it's like the Lord, it's like God says, look, my son is here. And I want you to go see him. I want you to go see him. And so as he's there, he's holding God in his arms. Holding God in his arms. What an awesome thing that had to have been to hold God in your arms. Not many people can say they've done that. Held baby Jesus in their arms. But there he was. There he was holding God in his arms. And I imagine as he was looking down at baby Jesus, he knew, he knew that this was the the king that was to come. He understood that, that it was to be this child was the one that was proclaimed that would come one day and be the sacrificial lamb of his people. And how do you know that? Because it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And he knew that and he understood that. As he looked at baby Jesus there, I imagine if maybe he rubbed his hand, his finger in the palm of his hand thinking one day, there's going to be nails going through those hands. And I imagine as maybe he rubbed his brow and maybe as he patted him on the chest and as he thought about this child and what this child meant to the people and how so many people never even knew. Never even knew. But it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit and so he's sitting there looking at him. Sitting there looking at him. And the Bible says in verse 28, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. And I imagine he probably looked up into heaven as he, as he had the child in his arms. He probably looked up into heaven and was probably just, thank you so much, God. Thank you. Because he understood who it was that he had in his arms. He knew what he had in his arms. And he was so thankful and he was just blessing God and praising God for what he had done. Praising God and blessing God for what he had done. And then look what he says in verse 29. He says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Wow. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Lord, now I can die. Lord, now I can die. I have, I have held the Lord Jesus in my arms. I have I've held God in my arms. I have held the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I have held the consolation of Israel in my arms. I have held the sacrificial lamb. What else is there for me to do? What else is there for me to see? What else is there that could be more beautiful than the Son of God. You know, sometimes we think, and have you ever thought about this? Maybe you've said to yourself, you know, before I die, I sure would like to go here. 
And I sure would like to go there. Before I die, I'd like to visit this place and I'd like to go to that place. Or before I die, maybe I'd like to have this and I'd like to have that. Or maybe I'd like to see this person. <laughs> Whenever he held baby Jesus in his arms, it was like he was saying, man, there ain't nothing else. Well, what can top this? What can get any better than this? And he says, Lord, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Something I noted as I was studying this and I thought how interesting this was. I looked to see what Matthew Henry said about this and he said this. He said, How poor does the world look to one that has Christ in his arms and salvation in his view? I'll tell you what. When you're holding Jesus in your arms and you got God in your life and you got Jesus in your heart, man, well, I'll tell you what, we look around at this world and we say, you know what? What does this have to offer? I've got Jesus. I've got everything. I've got everything. And yet people strive. Strive, strive all the time to, to try to get everything that they can when all that they really need is Jesus. And he says, how poor the world looks when you have Christ in your arms and salvation in view. And you know what I also see there? I also see at how much peace this man has facing death. How much peace he has facing even death. Lord, I can go now. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. Lord, I'm, I am ready to go. The peace that he had the peace that he had. It's amazing. Amazing. How poor the world looks to the one that has Christ in his arms. And as we look towards him and we think about him, this world becomes even more impressively dim. Becomes even more impressively dim. Those that have welcomed Christ can more easily welcome death. Those that have welcomed Christ more easily welcome death. And so Simeon is in essence saying, Lord, I've seen all there is to see. I've beheld all that there is to behold. I've seen all the beauty in the world wrapped in swaddling clothes. I've seen everything. What else could there be left to see when you've seen the Son of God? What else could there be left to see? But Simeon made some proclamations after he said this. He made three statements, three truths that I want us to look at this morning. And the first truth is that Simeon said that Jesus was thy salvation. Thy salvation. Let's read the text. He says in verse 30, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Thy salvation. When I read this text, I thought, you know, it sure would sound better if it said, Mine eyes have seen our salvation. I thought, wow! If that text would have said, mine eyes have seen our salvation, then man, that would have showed everybody that, that man, that, that Jesus died for everybody. That'd just be another verse to add to the arsenal. I thought, man, how great would it would have been if he said that. But you know what? God knows better than I do. And he put every word in there for a purpose. You know, not it's not there just by accident. And what I noticed here was when he said, is when he said, Thy salvation, I noticed that it was like he was saying, Look, he belongs to God. He's God. He belongs to God. He is thy salvation. He wasn't born of a man. He wasn't, 
He, wasn't, he doesn't have a, an earthly father, so to speak, that he was born of a man. He belongs to God because he is God and, and is of God. and He's God. And so I thought, man, it sure does sound better when he says that he is thy salvation because that shows me that he belongs to the Lord. That shows me where he came from. That is His salvation. But then I also began to think, and I thought, you know, when I read John 3.16, what does the Bible say? For God gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, His salvation, His salvation, His Son, He gave to me to be my salvation. And so I thought, you know, it's almost like the Lord said, look, this is my son. He's my salvation. But I'm going to give him to you so he can be your salvation too. So he can be your salvation. And I thought, wow. God sure does know a whole lot better than me. He sure does know a whole lot better than me because He, he showed me here that look, He belonged to Him. The, the, the son, the, the, the little baby that Simeon held in his arms, he said, God, I, I know He belongs to You. I know He's Yours. But he also understood at the same time that one day, one day, even though He belonged to the Lord, He was going to give them to us. He was going to give them to us. And so His salvation became our salvation. And if you don't have salvation today, then before you leave, you need to make sure that you get what God has given. You need to make sure you get what God has given. Because He has given His salvation. And His salvation became our salvation. And it can be yours today if you'll accept it. He was like a the gift that He had in His arms. The gift that He had in His arms. The Lord Jesus all wrapped up there. And, and I'm sure the baby clothes and He probably had a little bonnet on His head and a little rattler in His hand and, and all those things, you know. And I imagine as He sat there and looked at me, He thought, this is the best gift that's ever been wrapped. The best gift that has ever been wrapped. The salvation of mankind. Is wrapped in my arms. And God said, I can see His gift to this world before I die. Wow. And there He held it in His arms. All of us like to receive presents. All of us like to receive presents. I know. You know how it is when you, you, you wait all year and you think about what it is that you want and Christmas time comes around and you tell your husband or your wife or whoever it is that you need to tell to get you something and, and you've been looking and thinking about what it is that you want and as the time gets near you just get itchy and antsy and you just about can't stand it no more. And you go and tear the wrapping off the paper just a little bit so you, when, they, when, when, when the wife's gone. I'm not speaking of personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> Sound kind of, so guilty, don't I? <laughs> uh, we know how it is. And now you've been waiting so long to see something. And what did the Bible say that Simeon was waiting on? He was waiting on the consolation of the Lord. He was waiting, just waiting to see Jesus. Waiting to see the Son of God. Waiting to see the man that, 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 would, that would rule and reign from Jerusalem. Waiting to see the man that would redeem his people. 
to see the man that would take away the sins of the world. Waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the day came. And then the day came. And there he was, holding Jesus in his arms. Can you imagine how excited he was? It wasn't like he just got the baby and said, Oh, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Okay, see y'all. What like that happened? Man, he was holding me and just say, Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I mean, you've got to imagine this in your mind. What is going on here? And he is just so thankful, so thankful that God had given them the best gift. Not only him, but everybody. And the world had received a present wrapped in swaddling clothes and they didn't even know it. And most of them didn't even know it. And you know, the, the sad part is, is it's the same today. God gave His gift 2000, so two, over 2,000 years ago Wrapped in swallowing clothes there in the manger and very few people knew about it. And there's very few people that still know that the gift is still here today. Very few people that really know that. What does the Bible say? Narrow is the way that leads to life and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many that be there go in there at. But the, but the narrow way the Bible says few there be that find it. And there's so few people that know about this precious gift that you and I Hold dear to our hearts and hold in our lives every day. And he held this gift in his arms. He held this gift in his arms. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says in verse 31, Which thou hast prepared before the face of... Who? All people. All people. Whether you love it, or like it, or hate it, or deny it, the Lord Jesus was born for all people. All people. Everywhere, for every race, for every nation. For all people. For all people. Whether you like that or you don't like that. Whether you can try to deny that, you can hate that. But the fact remains at the end of the day that Jesus was still born for all people. And that His salvation is for all people. For all people. Not just those that He's just chosen to go to heaven and some He's chosen to go to hell. That's a bunch of baloney. Don't you believe that mess? God ain't destined nobody to go to hell. A man sends himself there. He says, my salvation is for all people. Why? Because He's not willing to perish, but that all should come to repentance. He says, my salvation is for everybody. I've heard people talk about Jesus in all kinds of ways in hating His salvation and denying His salvation. I've heard people say all kinds of things. I've heard people cuss Christ. I've heard people deny Christ. I've heard people blaspheme Christ. I've heard people say... I, I listened to a woman say that the blood of Jesus means nothing to me no more than any other blood of any other man. A woman say that. That the blood of Jesus means nothing more to me than the blood of any other man. That it means nothing. It means nothing. I've heard people say that Jesus was gay. I've heard people say all kinds of things. And no matter whether you like it, love it, hate it, or deny it, no matter what it is that you say about the Lord Jesus, the fact remains at the end of the day that He is the salvation to all people. All people. All people. 
Ain't you glad about that? Ain't you glad that we serve a God and that God gave a gift that would be to all people? That way He would leave nobody out. That way He would leave nobody out. A gift to, to everyone. And that is His salvation. And that is one of the things that He wanted His parents to understand. Look, you need to understand this child that I hold in my arms is the salvation. It's the gift from God to all people. To all people. And that's the first proclamation and the first truth that He wanted His parents to understand. That He he belongs to God, but He's given them to you. He belongs to God. He's His salvation. But He's given them to you. And they had already understood that to this point. The angels had done and come and talked to them. And they already understood that. He says, you need to understand what, who it is that I hold in my arms. He is thy salvation. He is thy salvation. He is your salvation. The second truth is, Simeon said Jesus is the light. In verse 32, he says that Jesus was a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And so it says Jesus is the light. What did John say? John said that many times in the Gospel of John. That Jesus is the light of the world. And the Bible says, and even in chapter 1, that He is the true light that lights all men. The true light that lights all men that come into the world. That lights all men. And so Jesus is light. This world that we live in today. Why did the world need a light? Why did He say this is the light? God wouldn't have given the world a light if it didn't need a light. God wouldn't have given His Son and, 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 and the Lord wouldn't have, and, and Simeon wouldn't have said He was the light of the, He'll be a light to the Gentiles. He'll be a light to this world. A light wouldn't be given. A light wouldn't be needed if darkness hadn't already been there. If darkness hadn't already been there. And Simeon knew and understand, look, this world that we live in is dark. And this world that we live in today is dark. It is a dark world that we live in. There are all kinds of things that happen in this world each and every day that would blow our minds if we knew about them. It'd just simply blow our minds. Man, we hear about things that happen on the news and the radio and we're like, man, I can't believe that. I can't believe that. But as time goes on and as the days go on, it don't affect us so much anymore because we've heard it before. We've heard it before. This world we live in is a dark place. It is a dark place. I was talking to a gentleman the other day. He came to my house. And he said, you know, he said, there is a place. Uh, he wasn't condoning it, nor was he condemning it. He was just telling me about it. And he said, there is a place not, not far from here. Uh, I can't remember. Was it Locustville? Maybe. Loseville? I don't know. There's a place where some... Yogaville. Yogaville. Well, there's a place where some people are called lo lo Lotus? Lotus people. Lotus, that's what it was. Lotus. And he said, in this, he said, in this is a branch of all different religions. And he said, there's like a flower or a petal or something, and on this petal represents each religion, and they're all together unified in harmony. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. He says, yes, not far from here, really. And I thought, what a shame. What a shame. 
What a shame. Because see, I don't care how many petals are coming off this flower. And who is in this group and who is in this group? I think he said there was like 16 different organizations that was involved in this. The truth of the matter is, and the fact remains at the end of the day, that Jesus was the salvation that was prepared before the face of all people. For all people. And I don't care what they believe and what they think. Jesus is the one that was prepared for the face of all people. He is the salvation. He is the salvation. And He is the light. And He is the light. What does light do? What does light do? Why do we have it? Why did we cut the lights on when we came in today? So we can see. So we can see. This isn't a hidden truth. This isn't some, something that I pulled out from a rock somewhere. We turn on the lights on so we can see. You know? And Jesus is the light so that we can see, so that we can understand where we are and where we're going so we can understand who He is and understand His ways. And the Bible says that He is the light. How many of you have ever walked around in the dark? Yeah. How many of you ever got hurt walking around in the dark? How many of you ever stumped your toe walking around in the dark? Said some things you need to repent of. Yeah, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's when we walk, when we walk around in the dark, we're stumbling. We don't know where to go. We don't know, we don't know what's in front of us. The Bible says, look, he says, Simeon said, look, this baby that I hold in my arms, he's not only salvation to the people, but he is a light to this world. That's what Gentiles is, the world. He is a light to this world. And because he is a light, he's going to show people the way to go. He is going to, he's going to lead people in the direction that they need to head to. He is going to be a light to the people of this world. He's going to be a light to them. The Bible also says, lastly, that Jesus is a sign. Jesus is a sign. He is salvation. He is a light. And He is a sign. Let's read verses 34 and 35. The Bible says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set. That word set means destined. This child is set for the fallen rising of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. And yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What does it mean when it says Jesus was a sign? Well, see, he was a sign. That's what the Bible says. Well, see, Simeon told Mary that Jesus was sent for the fallen rising of many in Israel, and that he would be a sign. Sent for the fallen rising, what does that mean? Well, see, there were some people that were looking for the kingdom to come just so, for, just so they can have it for power and political purposes. What is it? Even the disciples, they said, who's going to be argued about? Who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? All they was worried about was who was going to be on top? Who was going to be the man with power and prestige? And what did Jesus tell them? What did Jesus tell them? He said, if you want to be, he said, if uh, he that's going to be uh, exalted, we have to be abased. We have to be abased. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you're going to have to be a servant. And he changed their whole, the people's whole way of thinking. And then he went, then what did he do? He went to go wash their feet. The Messiah washing the, the dirty, filthy feet of the disciples? Yeah. 
Because Jesus was telling him, look, <laughs> if I'm God and I'm washing your feet, what makes you think you're any better than me? What makes you think you're any better? And this is something if you want to be if you want to, if you want to, have, you need to be. You need to understand that you're a servant. Well, what does the Bible? What is? What did? What did he? What did, what did even Simeon call himself in verse twenty nine? Thou, thou servant, thy servant. You know that is one of the best things that a child of God can let himself be called is a servant. Do you think that we're any more than that? Just because I'm the pastor, does that mean that I'm not a servant? Of course not. It means I'm a servant. And, and you're a servant. And you're a servant. And what is our purpose to do here? To serve God and to serve each other. To serve each other. A servant is the most important thing, is the best thing. If anybody could call me anything, if I, if I would respect anything that anybody ever called me, it would be the fact that somebody said that Brian was a servant of the Lord. That Brian was a servant of the Lord. And that would be the best thing that you could ever ask anybody ever say about you. That you was a servant of the Lord. The best thing. And that's what he was. He was a servant of God. The Bible says that Jesus was going to be a sign. And people was looking for the millennial kingdom for the wrong reasons and wrong purposes. They wanted power and, and prestige and all these things. But he turned that all around. The Pharisees were also such a group. They also wanted uh, uh, the power and the prestige of things. The Bible says it would be a sign that would be spoke against. What do signs do? What do signs do? What is their purpose? What is a sign's purpose? They tell us things, right? They tell us things. Signs tell us things. The Bible says here that Jesus would be a sign that would be spoken against. Spoken against. A sign spoken against. Signs tell us things, and if we don't like it, we speak again. Let's say, some people, let's say you're driving down the road and the speed limit says, you see a sign there, and the speed limit says 55. The speed limit says 55. And you say, well, I just don't like that. I don't like the fact that that sign says 55. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak against that sign. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do 70. 73. Oh, somebody. <laughs> the guilty speaks. You know, that, you know, I've always told if you throw a rock and a pack of dogs with one of the yelps is the one you hurt. I guess that one got hurt. <laughs> Been on y'all day, huh? <laughs> but yeah, he would be a sign that you speak against. You drive down the road, my wife can't stand on the speed limit. I'm not trying to speak bad about her. I can't stand it neither. I can't stand it neither. It's just, just bread to speed, I guess. I don't know. And we see a sign that says 55, and it's like, man, come on. And you're driving down there, and you're like, 55. I can go 60. I can do, I can do 65 down here, no problem. I don't see no problem. Why we got to do 55? And I'll argue about it for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And so a sign tells us things. But the people didn't like the sign. People didn't like the signs. You know what they started to do? They started to speak against it. We don't like what the sign has to say. That's what they did. We don't like what the sign has to say. I don't like the fact that he says that he's God's son. And they began to say all kinds of things. And they didn't like the sign so much they began to plot against the sign. 
They wanted to take the sign down and get rid of the sign. And it wasn't long in His ministry they cried out for the Son to be crucified. Crucify Him is what they said. Do away with it. I don't like what the sign has to say and so let's do away with it. You drive down the end of the road down here. We was coming down the end of the road down here the other day, coming down 56, we got here to 151 and I saw the stop sign there and I said, Honey, I said, I wonder how, I said, I wonder how many people have run this stop sign and went in that field over there. Been a lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of people. A lot of people. Lot of people. <laughs> More people speaking from experience. But I told her, I said, I wonder how many people just run right through that and went right in that down there. And went right in that field down there. The sign says stop. Well, you don't have to listen to it. That's your choice. You can say, well, I don't like what the sign has to say. Let's take it down. You know what's going to happen? Either you or somebody else is going to come running right down there through there. There you go. Right through that. Go down that field. The sign's there. The sign is there for you to see, to tell you what you need to hear, to tell you what you need to see, to, to, to show you and to instruct you and to save you from death. To save you from death. And so whenever he was holding baby Jesus in his arms and he said, look, Jesus is a sign that will be spoken against. The multitude of things he was saying in that. But not only that, you read on down and the Bible says, I know it's time to go, the Bible says that a sword would pierce through her own soul also. Why would she be hurt in this whole thing? Why would Mary, why would his mother be hurt in this ordeal? Because she would have to be there at the foot of the cross watching her son die for the sins of the world. Because that was her son. That was her son. She was there as two different people. She was there as a mother watching her son and she was there as a sinner beholding her Savior. She was there as a, as a mother beholding her son and as a sinner beholding her Savior. Because when Jesus was born, she, she said herself that Jesus was her Savior. She said herself that. And that's why a sword would pierce through her own soul. Because she was saying, look, the child belongs to God but He's the salvation of this world. He is also the light of this world. And He's also a sign to this world. But in the meantime, you're going to get hurt in the process. You're going to be hurt too. You're going to be hurt too. And as we've went over our messages on Wednesday, on Wednesdays, we've noticed and probably seen how they probably suffered along with Jesus in His ministry. But if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to understand something. That Jesus is your salvation. He is your salvation. Whether you like it or not, He is. He is the light of this world and without Him, without Him the sun would go out. Without Him the sun would be no more. The Bible says by Him 
all things consist. All things consist. And so if it wasn't for Him, we wouldn't even be here. We wouldn't even be here. And He says, look, He's also a sign. He's assigned to instruct you. He's assigned to help you. He's assigned to guide you. And He's there to keep you from dying and going to hell. If you read throughout the Gospels, something you'll notice, even in this Gospel here, if you, even if you flipped on back to, uh, even if you flipped on back to, uh, well, chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says, this shall be a sign unto you. There are signs, the signs all through the Gospels, even in Matthew. The Bible says that, well, in Isaiah it said, and this shall be a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Signs were given everywhere. Signs up all over the place. And people just driving right by. And people are doing the same thing today. The sign is out. The light is out. And the salvation is here. And people are missing it and driving right through it. Don't let yourself be one of those people today. Don't let yourself be one of them. Let's pray. Father, we come to You this morning. We just ask, Lord,